Hey, this is Mohal Joshi from Los Angeles, California. I follow Indian foreign policy and defense with a special focus on Asia. You can follow me on Twitter at Mohal Joshi. Hey, this is Kishore Narayan from Bengaluru in India. I am an international relations expert specializing in global security, conflict resolution, and international negotiation. My focus areas include peace building and digital diplomacy. You can find me on Twitter at Veggie Diplomat. Hello and welcome listeners to episode 12 of India Rising Strategic Affairs Conversations with Mohal and Kishore, a show in which we analyze the happenings from around the world and their impact on India. So before we begin today, uh, we have a programming note to share. Uh, we had a year-end two-part special series on Indian foreign policy and what happened in 2018 and where it stands as of now, where we discuss it at a great lens, the direction we are progressing it, the jugglery we are up to vis-a-vis -vis the great powers and the matters of concern for India. Uh, we were joined in this uh, two-part series by special guests, uh, Harita Purasala, author and uh, columnist who writes regularly on mind makers uh, on Indian foreign policy. If you haven't had a chance to listen to this uh, two-part series, uh, episodes 10 and episodes 11, we recommend you to do so. The links to the two episodes are available in the footnotes. Uh, coming to today's episode, uh, we will be discussing about the uh, the concluded parliamentary elections in Bangladesh, which happened around the end of December. Uh, we will start up with the run-up to the polls, how the polls themselves were occurred, and the astounding results, which took almost everyone by surprise. So Bangladesh uh, had its 11th parliamentary elections conducted on 30th uh, December of last year to elect members for their parliament called the Jatiya uh, Sangsad. Let's look at the various political parties who had uh, major roles during these elections. So, Kishore, uh, can you explain to us the political scenario prevalent in Bangladesh as of today? Sure. So, uh, everybody knows about uh, Sheikh Hasina's uh, Awami League, uh, which happens to be the ruling party. Now, this is very popular uh, uh, political party and it was even uh, popular coming into the polls. Uh, Bangladesh had been put on the path to economic growth and prosperity. And uh, prior to all this, it was being touted as a basket case for uh, poverty. Uh, Bangladesh was known the world over for its natural disasters, endless political rumblings and uh, military coup. Uh, the country somehow has now managed to metamorphose itself into uh, a decent uh, middle-income country. Uh, social indicators like child mortality has reduced significantly. Uh, education, life expectancy, rural development and women empowerment have, have improved drastically. In trade too, Bangladesh is a global player in textiles now. It is ranked fourth in global apparel exports and has a global 3% market share. The ready-made garment industry of Bangladesh is a genuine success story. It is amazing that a non-cotton producing country has achieved this kind of a big success. Garment export alone contributes to 80% of national 
uh, exports. The country is today beaming with pride for having successfully achieved all millennium, millennial development goals set by the United Nations. Now, why are we talking about all these achievements? It is primarily because uh, Sheikh Hasina's uh, rule of the past 10 years uh, has been uh, the backbone for this kind of a growth. The political uh, stability that she provided and also the econ economic uh, stimulation uh, that she provided helped uh, Bangladesh to achieve all this economically. So that's with regard to uh, Sheikh Hasina's uh, Awami League party. Now on the other hand, you have uh, Begum Khalidahsiyah's Bangladesh National Party, which is mired in multiple controversies. Begum Khalidahsiyah herself was imprisoned after being convicted in a corruption case. Uh, she attempted at the last minute for a comeback, which was squashed by the High Court when it actually enhanced her sentence from five years to 10 years. So uh, she could not uh, she could not contest the polls because in Bangladesh, if you are convicted and uh, imprisoned for more than two years, then uh, you cannot contest uh, elections anymore. Khalidahsia's uh, son, Tariq Rahman, who is seen as uh, her political heir, he too had been convicted in a grenade attack case of uh, 2004 in which uh, Sheikh Hasina was injured and several Awami League leaders and workers were killed. Although he has been awarded a life imprisonment, he is currently living in exile in London uh, since 2009 and he can be arrested upon uh, return. So this party, the Bangladesh National Party, has been leaderless for close to two to three years now and it does not have the wherewithal to strategize on fighting the elections. Now, uh, historically, uh, Khalidahiyah's Bangladesh National Party has allied with the Jamaat Islami Party, which is a far-right fundamentalist Islamic party. This is the party known for having collaborated with Pakistan and also committed genocide during the War of Independence in 1971. Needless to say, this party had opposed the independence of Bangladesh and the breakup of Pakistan in 1971. The party is currently deregistered as a political party and cannot contest elections. In 2010, the Bangladesh government, under the guidance of International Crimes Tribunal, initiated prosecution of war crimes committed during the 1971 war. And by 2013, uh, three leaders of the Jamaat had been convicted. Responding to this, the Jamaat held massive strikes and violent protests across the country, leading to loss of lives of innocent civilians. Since then, the demand for an outright ban of Jamaat-e-Islami as a political party has grown stronger and stronger. On its part, though, the leaders of Jamaat have adopted alternate strategies, like infiltrating into other political parties, including the Awami League, or sometimes they fight on the other party's uh, ticket. For example, about uh, 20 Jamaat-e-Islami uh, candidates fought uh, this election on uh, on the BNP ticket or, uh, in uh, Khalid Ahiyah's party. So, yeah, so although everything was going smooth for Sheikh Hasina in terms of economic growth of the country, the party enjoyed high levels of popularity and their opposition was leaderless and also rudderless. Despite all this, the PM had her own problems. Her iron fist approach to dealing with opposition party leaders was not taken lightly. Civil society members who opposed 
Hashina's uh, dictatorial approach was jailed. Radicalism was on the rise. Persecution of religious minorities continued. This led to Dr. Kamal Hossein, an eminent lawyer and former foreign minister, who had aspirations of taking over leadership of Awami League, walk out of the party opposing Sheikh Hasina's leadership. He floated a new party called uh, Gona Forum and formed a Grand Alliance. Khalidahiyah's BNP, which had boycotted the 2013 elections um, and had found out that boycotting the elections had not helped the party in any way, they decided that boycotting again in 2018 was no longer a viable option. And therefore, they decided to join the Grand Alliance floated by Dr. Hossein, which was, uh, which was called the Jatiya Oikya Front. Not to be outdone, Sheikh Hasina herself entered into an alliance with smaller parties and called her alliance the Grand Alliance. Not wanting to miss out on the growing assertion of religious fundamentalism, Sheikh Hasina even shared stage with hardcore Islamist leaders belonging to groups like uh, Hifajat Islam Bangladesh. In a way, the political establishment in Bangladesh had turned a full circle. The usual fundamentalist parties like BNP and Jamaat had allied with the Gona Forum to form a secular alliance, whereas the secular party of Awami League had allied with far-right Islamist groups. Put in other words, this was a fight between two rainbow coalitions. So, yeah, this was uh, the political uh, backdrop, uh, Mohal. So, can you uh, explain how the elections themselves played out? Yeah, so in the build-up to the elections, just like previous elections, there were multiple incidents of violence uh, which were reported leading to several injuries and deaths. Now, this led to a concern from the international community asking the election commission to ensure free and fair polls are conducted. Uh, foreign observers were indeed sent to Bangladesh to check firsthand on how the polls were conducted. Uh, with less than a week left for the election day, multiple opposition leaders were arrested to prevent the violence spiraling out of control. On the polling day too, multiple reports of voting irregularities came up. Complaints of Awami League workers stuffing the ballot boxes in the presence of police and election officials had led to allegations that the election commission was working in tandem with the ruling party. Mm -hmm. So, so all the complaints that the elections were not completely free and fair actually have some uh, some uh, proof uh, in terms of allegations, right? Yeah, it seems so. Yeah. So, yeah. Can you now elaborate on the uh, on the stupendous election results? And also, yeah. what can be expected domestically within Bangladesh? Yeah, so the ruling party alliance or the grand alliance garnered like 83% of the vote share, which is like a, a huge number in any kind of election. And they managed to win a astounding 288 out of 299 seats uh, in the parliament. I mean, election for one seat was postponed due to death of a candidate. Now, this led to an unprecedented hat-trick for PM Sheikh Hasina, her fourth term overall. So, as a matter of trivia, the first, uh, very first parliamentary elections held after the liberation of Bangladesh in 1973, the Awami League had won 293 seats, uh, allowing their first Prime Minister, Sheikh Mujibir Rahman, to become an independent Bangladesh's first Prime Minister. 
at that time the opposition members had rejected the claims that the people had been cheated of their right for free and fair elections going further they announced that the opposition members who had won from various constituencies would not register themselves in parliament uh, the parliament now uh, in the currently has a uh, convened and one of the alliance partners of sheikh hasina the jatiya party led by arshad has decided to walk out of the alliance and play the role of opposition in parliament so since they have 222 mps against 248 mps from the ruling coalition i mean no day passes without new allegations of the election process of not being fair and which may have uh, but i mean this may not have an adverse impact on the new government due to the uh, very high number of seats uh, won by the ruling alliance also another ma uh, uh, trivia point would be that the land swap agreement which between india and bangladesh had led to new constituencies being formed in the enclaves which were inside indian territory the residents of these former enclaves like got the the voting rights for the first time in bangladesh uh, let's hope that they, they now join the bangla mainstream at the earliest now within bangladesh the situation might not change as compared to the past 5 or 10 years the complete decimation of the opposition and further strengthening of awami league led by sheikh hasina might result in continuation of the existing economic policy resulting in econ in impressive economic growth uh, that bangladesh has witnessed over the past 10 years i believe this is also the time during which uh, their uh, per capita gdp has exceeded that of pakistan that, so that shows that they have come a long way from being a extremely poor nation to uh, having somewhat uh, wealth now uh, right. also the complaints and murmurs about lack of vibrant democracy might only get shriller in the next 5 year term as radical islam is on the rise and pm hasina is seen to be pandering to them regularly we might continue to hear more about vendetta politics clamping on press freedom disappearance of journalists and bloggers so uh, kishore what will be the positive impact of this results on the indo bangladesh ties as we view it in our domain yeah right so uh, indian prime minister narendra modi was the first to congratulate sheikh hasina on her decisive victory uh, expressing confidence that the partnership between the two countries would flourish under her far-sighted leadership uh, other countries like china the western nations like us european union even russia saudi arabia qatar iran the united arab emirates bhutan and pakistan all of them soon followed suit and congratulated hasina implying that the that the outside world uh, approved the election and the election results uh, now coming to the indo bangla uh, relations bangladesh is an extremely vital neighbor for india in terms of uh, security connectivity to its northeastern region and also implementation of its act east policy now historically the awami league has adopted a favorable approach towards india whereas the bangladesh national party has been soft on pakistan so it is actually a blessing for india that it has had a favorable government in dhaka for the for the past 10 years and one, and will continue for five more years we spoke uh, mohal remember we spoke uh, elaborately during the year end to par series 
mm-hmm. about yes. the importance of Bangladesh to India's foreign policy. Now, on the positive note, Indian government's proposal to provide access to Chittagong port from uh, northeast through Tripura would get a bigger push. This will be a boon to northeast as until now the only port connectivity the region had was Mumbai or, Mumbai or Chennai through rail connectivity via Kolkata and Guwahati. So, yeah, these are the kind of positives that one can expect in terms of the uh, already good uh, Indo-Bangladesh ties. Uh, Mohal, Mohal, can you uh, elaborate on any prickly issues that uh, can spell trouble in the future? So while Bangladesh will continue to have India's back in supporting its complaints on Pakistan using terrorism at a state policy, it will also support India's initiatives to enhance regional cooperation in terms of BBIN and BIMSTEC. Now, as India looks to extract maximum support from Bangladesh, Bangladesh too will want to get the contentious uh, Tista River water distribution uh, treaty concluded at the earliest, despite the long-running objections raised by current West Bengal Chief Minister Mamta Banerjee. Uh, Remember, India and Bangladesh almost resolved the seven-decade-long boundary dispute amicably by exchanging various enclaves within their territories. Now, the conclusion of the T-Star Treaty would be a logical continuation on how these two friendly states are able to resolve more quickly issues. The rehabilitation or return of uh, the Rohingya refugees who had to flee Myanmar owing to uh, persecution can be a prickly issue. Now, while India would look to completely seal the border, it would refuse to take any new refugees. If Bangladesh itself feels overwhelmed with the sheer number of Rohingyas competing for the same natural resources with the large Bangla population, Bangladesh would expect India's help in convincing Myanmar to take back these Rohingya refugees. Uh, another prickly issue can be India's Indian government's proposal to consider forced deportation of illegal Bangladeshi immigrants who have skewed the demographics in the entire northeast region of India. Now, any attempt to push this back, uh, these illegal immigrants would be met by stiff opposition from the Bangladesh government, and that has the potential of souring the relations between the two. So that was a wrap up on our Bangladesh. uh, If you are listening to our episode for the first time listeners, uh, each episode we recommend you any book, article or any other read that we feel might interest you. So keeping the practice going, Kishore, what is your recommendation for this week? Yeah, so while uh, researching on uh, Bangladesh-India relations and uh, the connectivity issues, I I stumbled upon a good article on uh, BIMSTEC and BIBIN and how India wants to look at both of the uh, connectivity corridors as a highway to the east. So this is an article written by Pinak Ranjan Chakravarti and it's titled uh, BIMSTEC and BIBIN, India's Highway to the East. So I would uh, recommend this for anybody who is interested in uh, India's activist policy in general and also how India plans to provide connectivity to India's own northeast and also to Southeast Asia. So that will be my uh, article. 
and uh, mohal what is your recommendation for the week uh my article is a article written by a foreign policy analyst uh, harshvi pant uh, mm -hmm. which says a quiet but decisive shift in india's foreign policy so this basically outlines that in the last 5 years that uh, prime minister modi has trans sought to transform india from being an merely an important player to one that is able to willing and define its priorities in the international system and he has uh, able to shed any inhibitions about india's great power aspirations and underscored the confidence of an uh, aspirational society that we are willing to reassert our civilizational uh, soft power and which we have seen that uh, the hyper energetic diplomacy uh, has resulted in a growing global footprint that uh, policies and emphasis on india's uh, soft power attributes mm -hmm. yeah i read that article too and uh, it was a fascinating article so it would get a thumbs up from me as well Okay, that dear listeners wraps up our discussion on the recently concluded parliamentary polls in Bangladesh and how it can help strengthen Indo-Bangla ties even further. To continue hearing about such interesting topics, do subscribe to our channel India Rising and also tap on the bell icon to be notified whenever a new episode becomes available. We would also like to hear from you if you have any suggestions. on any topics that you would like us to cover do remember that these topics should be directly related to indian foreign policy before we wind up we need to talk about former defense minister george fernandez who passed away owing to long term age related illness yeah so i mean george fernandez had a very interesting history so as a trade unionist uh, with his a uh, trademarked uh, uncombed hair and uh, his kurta pajama one might not think of him as a defense minister of the nation but i mean he really engaged with the rank and file of the armed forces to know more about their issues and concerns and how to solve them i mean after he passed away last week uh, many officers uh, who got a chance to interact with him during his tenure fondly remembered their interactions and with uh, george fernandez and how he took pains to understand their issues and sought to resolve them i mean george fernandez had a very eventful uh, uh, tenure he was a defense minister during the 1998 pokhran to nuclear test and the kargil war in 1999 uh, he even made a record 18 trips to the siachen glacier to get a first hand experience of the inhospitable conditions over there i mean uh, as a punishment for delaying procurement of snowmobiles for the soldiers in siachen he sent three ministry of defense office bureaucrats to siachen <laughs> to uh, see that what are the uh, the tough conditions that the indian army has to operate in uh, he was also uh, uh, behind many of the reforms in the armed forces which were picked up during his uh, term including the tri service joint command in uh, andaman and nicobar islands but he couldn't pick up many more uh, stuff like uh, the chief of in, uh, the chief of defense staff which is still pending as of today uh, i mean in 1998 he publicly called china as potential threat number 1 which he had to backtrack afterwards due to diplomatic pressure from the chinese but i mean this shows that 
yet excellent foresight. I mean, today we all talk about the massive Chinese threat to India, but I mean, at that point, it was an excellent foresight given, I mean, the high levels of obsession with Pakistan back then. I mean, his tenure was beset with several scandals, including Coffin Gate, which was a purchase of coffins for soldiers who died in the Kargil War and the Tehelka tapes. But he wasn't proven guilty in any of them. However, by the time he was exonerated in 2009, with his political clout being reduced and the scandals taking a toll, he quietly faded into the background away from the glare of the public life. Yeah, uh, quite a fascinating uh, defense minister's personality. George Fernandez, 1930 to 2019, Om Shanti. Until the next episode, this is Mohal and Kishore signing off.